We're in the middle of what used to be termed as 40 days of purpose. I, pr- I trust and pray. In fact, Beverly, hand me those two items right there uh, that are on the, there you go, that one will be fine, and then hand me the other one in a little bit. No, I don't need that. Uh, there you go. Yeah, you can bring me that. Uh, I, uh, those two items. I didn't want to say Nathan's CD. Let, hand me Nathan's CD. I'll do that right now here. Yeah, I got a bunch of things I'm going. Amen. Uh, before I get into this, let me just do a blatant advertisement for you, uh, for my son and, and really for YouTube. His, his CD came out, uh, Nathan Walker, All That Is Within Me. And let me just say, this is his best work, uh, uh, ever. Uh, and, uh, there's a lot of great songs on here, most of which he and, and Joel wrote and some others. Uh, but there's two on here that will change your life. The first one is the first song. It's called Rejoice. It'll make you dance. Uh, and you'll just love it. And then you'll go, that's Pastor Sam's son, Nathan. Uh, it's just, it's just wonderful. We love it. It, it, to me, it's one, it's, it's as good as anything you hear on the radio, uh, with all the high, high impact worship teams around the world. Uh, and then there's another song called Fighter, which many of you may have heard it. Nathan wrote this song years ago. It's got some revised standard version in it. It, it was inspired by a young lady named Courtney who had been, had contracted cancer as a young teenage girl. Uh, and, uh, Nathan met her and, uh, she loved Nathan's music. And, uh, and so they were praying for her. This was a number of years ago. And she said, Nathan, I'm going to be all right because there's a fighter in me. Woo. Pardon me. Woo. Courtney's in heaven today. She ultimately won her battle. Uh, but this song fighter, it will change your life. If you've got a battle going on, and most of us do, uh, there's a fighter. So uh, you can go to NathanWalkerMusic.com and you can order this. You can go onto iTunes and download it to your iPad iTunes, from iTunes or, or your phone. So there's a fighter in me. Uh, and so uh, Beverly and I were at uh, in, in Dallas with his church family. They were recording a new album uh, out in the country. It was wonderful. We got to spend some time with Nathan uh, and uh, and so that's where we were, uh, but we're glad to be back here with you. And now here we go. Everybody say, whoo, now here we go. Amen. We're going through what on earth am I here for? Today we're going to begin. This really begins the, the third week that we're involved in this. And, and if you, let me just say, if you haven't gotten this book, you can, you, 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 you now have an excuse not to. You could say, well, it's too late. They've already all the way. Then that would be a bad thing to do. Wouldn't it, Cindy? It'd be a bad thing to do. Uh, how many of you know, you that are reading through this book, it's life-changing, amen? Uh, and so, please, don't miss this chance. Listen to your pastor. Go get a copy of this book. You can download it, right? 99 cents? Was that right? That was, oh, that was only three chapters. So they tricked you. Now you got to go get three more. Okay, all right. So, yeah, just however you want to get it, get it and begin to go through it. Don't speed read it. Just start a day at a time. Today we officially start week three. So we've been into this two weeks. Uh, and, and on Sunday mornings, I'm introducing to you the following week. Uh, and so that's where we are. And, and I want to encourage you to do that. And also far as next Sunday goes, I wouldn't pay attention during take five, but next Sunday morning at 930 is Sunday circles. And I want to encourage you to be here for Sunday circles. There'll be, there'll be, uh, coffee and some kind of, uh, uh unhealthy pastry for you. 
Uh, and so 9.30, 45 minutes together. And, and how many of you know Sunday circles will change? It'll rock your world. How many of you have been to Sunday circles before? I'm telling you, it'll rock your world. And so I want to encourage you to make that a part of your diet. And it's a six-week. Josh, right? Six-week uh, session. Josh wrote the curriculum for uh, this six weeks of Sunday circles. And so I'm looking forward to seeing that. And so there you go. There's all peace. Oh, I, I need that because I'm going to read from that. I, I need a I need a bookshelf here or something. I'm I'm, I got all these things going on, and, and uh, so I'll need that in a moment, and I'll, I'll return to that. So let's pray together, and that'll help me get on track. Father, we thank you today for the Word of God, and we pray it would open up our hearts. In fact, we open up our hearts to hear your Word. Let our, wor- our hearts be as good soil today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Let me walk through uh, what from this book we're learning are the five purposes of our life. And we've, we've completed one. Uh, the first week was just kind of introduction to this whole idea that God has a purpose and a plan for our life. And then last week, we, we really, in fact, Wednesday nights, I'm telling you, Wednesday nights will rock your world. Uh, we're doing, uh, you see the tables over there. What we're doing is letting Pastor Rick Warren share with us uh, uh, a short message. And then we've been breaking up and, and study groups and, and discussing and studying the, the topic at hand. And so it's just another great tool to help establish you and get you into, into the real understanding of the purposes of God for your life. And here are the five purposes that we're discussing, one of which we've completed. You were planned for God's pleasure. That's why God made you. That's called worship, by the way. You were created to worship God, to center your life around him and realize that he's not a part of your world. He shouldn't just be a part of your world. He should be the source of all life. For the Bible says, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. You were planned to bring God pleasure. And last Sunday, I shared with you from my understanding two simple ways that we worship God. We worship him with our words and we worship him with our ways. Hebrews 13 will help you understand that. And, and our words and our ways that bring honor and glory to God are birthed from what's within our hearts. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so it's a heart issue. If you have a hard time worshiping God, you need to look on the inside and maybe get rid of some of the roadblocks that have hindered you and just say, Lord, I invite you into my heart. I want you to be the Lord and the leader of my life and, and realize he created you to worship God. In fact, did you know we're natural born worshipers? If we don't worship God, we'll worship something. You say, oh, not me. I'm not worshiping. It's all about me. I'm not, I don't have any. How many of you know you worship yourself? How many of you need worship money and stuff and resources? You say, oh, I don't bow down before that. Oh, you might just want to think about that for a little bit. Uh, and so we're not, we, but we're created to worship God. And this morning, let's look at number two. You were formed for God's family. That's called fellowship. In fact, fellowship, you know, we think of fellowship, we think of, you know, chicken and fried chicken and, and dinner on the ground and, and just getting together and hanging out and playing cards and, 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 you know, just having a good time. But how many of you know fellowship is much more than just hanging out and having a good time? It's a way of life, and we're going to talk to you about that. In fact, the, the church, if you will, is, is described by many things, but primarily it's described as a family. 
And that's huge. And I want to show you a couple of scriptures uh, uh, that, that uh, uh, Pastor Rick Warren uses that I've embraced in my life uh, that reveal the fact that we're formed for God's family. Number one is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. I love this. Let's read it together. Would you, would you read it with me? His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And that gave him great pleasure. Uh, the, I, I think that's the New Living Translation. I love it. Let's read it out loud together. Some of you read it under your breath. Let's read it out loud. It'll rock your world. Here we go. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And that gave him great pleasure. You see that? He wanted to adopt us. In fact, you know, if you've been around here very long, that when you get adopted, uh, you, it reveals that you were chosen by God. And once, in fact, when Paul the Apostle used this phrase, uh, we've been adopted into the family of God, uh, it was a phrase that in his day, when you were adopted, you could never be unadopted. You could never be, you know, as a natural born child, you could be excommunicated from the family. But if you were adopted, Adopted, you could never not have a place in the family because that, that just was the law of the land. So when Paul the apostle, let me just throw this out. If, if there's anybody here, I'm, I'm chasing a rabbit, but I usually catch him. If there's anybody here thinks you can lose your salvation after you've been adopted into the family, you are sadly mistaken because once you are his child, you are forever his child. Somebody give somebody a high five and say, welcome to, I said somebody give somebody a high five and say, Welcome to the family of faith. Woo, man, I better throw this stool away. I, I'm getting fired up on, and we're just getting started. Man, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Here's another one that I've used over and over. Ephesians 2, 19, the latter part. Paul the apostle said this. Let's read it out loud together. You are members of God's very own family citizens of God's country, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. Do it again. Read it out loud, a little louder. Just get verbose with me. Here we go. You are members of God's very own family, and you belong in God's with every other Christian. Look at your neighbor and say, that means you and me. I love that. You see, when God began to determine in his heart his plan. And he began to think to himself about how do I want to be known and understood and related to. He dreamed up the idea of family. And that fits wonderfully here. In fact, Rick Warren said this in, in his book. Uh, I, I put this on Facebook or tweeted or something. and had, Boy, it created a little stir. Uh, I don't normally like to stir up things, but I, hey, I'll stand on this any day of the week. Rick Warren said this, the entire Bible is the, the story, uh, well, it wasn't this one, there's another one I'm going to sh share with you in a minute. The entire Bible is the story of God building a family who will love him and honor him and reign with him forever. The entire story of the Bible has to do with God building a family. And I've quoted Pastor Ron so many times here, it may be a little redundant, but Pastor Ron said, all God ever wanted to be was a father. And so, in fact, Psalm 68 says that he wants to be a father to the fatherless. 
That's who he wants to be. In fact, when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, pray this way, our who art in heaven. See, he's our father. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. So because of that, you belong in God's family. And so, you know, let me just ask you as a family, uh, you know, how many of you know as a member of a family, there are certain requirements. In fact, well, you just think of husband and wife because that's the church and the bride. You know, Jesus is the head of the church and then we are the bride. How many of you know, use this relationship, use this illustration that, that husbands and wives, where's, the, where's all the husbands and wives that are here together? Raise your hand. Uh, how many of you know there's requirements for the husband and there's requirements and re- responsibilities for the wife as well? How many of you know there's, there's a, 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 our fair share of requirements to be a part of a family? In fact, even children, there are there are requirements and responsibilities that we all have today, and so as I as I thought through this today, and there's so much I could say because how many of you know we're called together? This is who we are. We're formed for God's family. This is this is God. God doesn't want a bunch of independent, autonomous little uh, you know. Uh, individuals running around and living life on their own terms, doing their own thing without any connection to the family of faith, without any responsibilities and shirking their duties as, as members of the family of faith. He wants us all. In fact, we're created. Look at your neighbor and say, you were formed for God's family. We really are. And so I want to talk to you about some membership requirements today of the family of God. And it has nothing to do with signing a card and filling out a form. Though I believe that God is a God of covenant. In fact, if you read through this book, you'll find that Pastor Rick Warren encourages us at every turn uh, to make a covenant with God and sign our name. But how many of you know signing your name without having signed your name in your heart about, about your commitment to the family of faith? How many of you know people when they get up in front of the, the church and, you know, wherever they get married and say, you know, till death do us part, that's a covenant agreement. That's, that's what you're saying. But here's the problem. You want to know what the problem is? Everybody say, what's the problem, Pastor? The problem is that commitment and, and membership has been watered down so much that people don't understand. In fact, uh, you know, we've lowered the bar so low when all along God's wanting to raise the bar of what it takes to be be a part of the family of faith. Now, all you got to do to be a part of the family of faith beginning is be born again. But once that happens, then the responsibilities continue. Are you with me? Say amen. And so, sadly, we've dumbed it down. In fact, uh, C.S. Lewis, you you may have read some things from C.S. Lewis, but he inferred, and I I don't remember what writing it was in, he inferred that the very word membership or being a member was developed and coined by the first century church who were defining a higher level of commitment than ever before. But what we've done over the years is we've lowered that. In fact, I've heard pastors say this, well, we don't have membership at our church. Well, you don't have commitment at your, cause that's what it is. It's not the signing of a card. It's a level of commitment. Uh, and so listen, uh, I want to raise the bar. How many of you think we ought to raise the bar? 
Amen. So that's what I want to do today because, hey, this is where, this is what God called us to do. And let me just make some preliminary statements that, uh, some of that came from this book. Uh, and I, though I knew this, I'll, I'll semi quote Rick Warren. Uh, 80% of the time when you read in scripture a reference to church, which would be all in the New Testament, it, re- it, it directly, uh, uh, refers to a local body of believers. So here's the classic. Here's the classic that you hear. Well, I'm a member of the family of God around the world. And you are. But what the people are really saying is, I'm a member of the family of God at large, but there ain't no way in Hades that I'm going to be connected and committed to a local body of believers. Because a lot of people, they get get their feet feelings hurt and... And they don't want to be a part and they don't want to connect, but they, and so today we're going to, we're going to work on that a little bit. Look at your neighbor and say, we're going to work on that a little bit. And I know I'm t- preaching to the choir here today, uh, but hey, uh, I'm going to raise the bar a little bit. Let me give you three things, just three thoughts that are huge when it comes to membership requirements in the family of faith. Uh, number one, it's the requirement and the responsibility of connecting. Everyone say connecting. How many of you know con- real connect, bona fide connection is hugely important? You can't fake this part. In fact, you can't be a part of the family of faith in reality until you are born again and you make a connection to the father of the family. You see, what did Jesus come to do? He came to bring his create, God's creation, you and me, back into right relationship with the Father. And that's what the cross did. You remember the old illustration. There's a chasm between God and man. And the cross came and settled down and bridged the gap between God and man. There's got to be a divine uh, connection in reality to, to the Father of the family where you are born again. All the born again people say amen where you become a part of the family of faith and you yield yourself to him by the finished work of the cross of Christ. There is no other way, listen to me, there is no other way to get reconnected with the father of the family who is God Almighty, where you can pray our father who art in heaven without crossing the bridge of the cross of Christ. And the cross of Christ is the finished work of Calvary. He died on a cross for all of us paid for our sin that separated us from God and created an avenue and a way and a means for us through the finished work of the cross to come back into right relationship with the Father and reconnect with God. If you've got that pretty clear in your head, say, thank you, Jesus. In fact, that's what Paul referenced. In fact, uh, if you want to, you can turn, turn with me for just a moment to Romans 8. I want to show you this. We talked about being adopted. Let me show it to you. Romans chapter 8. Let me read this for you and just comment briefly. Romans chapter 8, verse 15 through 17. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, everyone say, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs of God and join heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, we may also be glorified together with Him. And so how did all that happen? It happened because of the 
cross of Christ, being adopted into the family of faith. And so all of humanity, he died for all, but how many of you know everybody not going to heaven? Some people believe that, that God loves everybody, and he does, and everybody's going to heaven. It's not happening. The only people that go to heaven are those who choose to be born again by faith that is a gift of God. It's not by your works. He gave us all a gift of faith, and we've got to engage him with the gift he gave us and, and yield ourselves to him and his governance and control and accept the fact that he died for us on the cross and paid for our sin with his own blood. And we believe that and embrace that and believe that he's coming again to get us. Hey, some, and he rose again the third day. You got to, hey, the, the requirement of being a part of the family of God is reconnecting with the father of the family through faith in the finished work of Christ. Amen. But the secondary part, which is they go hand in hand, it's not an either or, it's a both and. Uh, you, you, your requirement is not only connecting with the father of the family, but it requires a connection because of that, a connection to the family of the father. A bona fide, absolute, very real connection to the family of the father. Now, Catch this with me today. I want you to really understand that. In fact, uh, if you want to turn over to Acts 20, you can. I'm going to turn over there. Because if you go back and remember what he said in Ephesians 2, you're members of God's very own family, citizens of God's country, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. Now, here's what you need to understand. When you became a believer, you were also supposed to become a belonger. There's no word. It doesn't work in words with friends. It's not a real word, a belonger. But if you're a believer, you're supposed to be a belonger. Everyone say, if I'm a believer, I'm also a belonger. You belong in God's household with every other Christian. Now, let me show you these two working in harmony together in Acts chapter 2, which is the birthing of the church, which is the foundational understanding of what it takes uh, uh, to, to be a part of the family of faith. And it says in verse 40 of chapter 2, after after uh, Peter had got up and preached his first Pentecostal gospel message, I mean, he preached the gospel, and people were born again. And it says, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly they received his word, that means they believed the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were baptized. And how many of you know baptism not only signifies that you are a part of the, uh, uh, you, you are born again, but it also is a picture of you being birthed into a family. In fact, Paul said in another place, you're baptized into the body of Christ. And so when we're water baptized, what we're saying is, I've been reconnected with the Father through faith, and I've been reconnected to the family of the Father because of my faith in Christ. Now watch this. They gladly received, were baptized that day. Around 3,000 souls were added to them, and they continued steadfastly. Someone say, continued steadfastly. In the, now catch this. There's a lot here. I'm just going to mention it. In the apostles' doctrine, that is teaching, and fellowship. Somebody say fellowship. And in the breaking of bread and in prayer. In other words, you see this right here, this connecting requirement. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and, and, and in fellowship. And, and again, that the Greek there is koinonia. Everyone say koinonia. 
Koinonia is the Greek word for fellowship. It means common ground sharing. It, it's where we get the word communion. How many of you know when you use the word communion? I'm not just talking about what we think about communion. When you commune with God, you're, you're fellowshipping with Him. But what, 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 what we see here in scripture is this connecting not only with the father of the family, but to the, fa- to the family of the Father in communion, common ground sharing. Look around today. We're all different. Red and yellow, black and white. We're all precious in His sight. We're all different, right? We're all unique. How many of you are so appreciative that you're not exactly like the person sitting next to you? Okay. <laughs> We're all unique. That makes us the family. And so a membership requirement, it got, it's got to begin at the place of our connection with the father of the family and then uh, the connection with the family of the, the father. And, and we belong. Everyone say, this is where I belong. The word belong means to be rightly placed in the right place. And think about this. When you think about connection, I don't know if we have any bona fide electricians here. How many of you know enough about electricity to hurt yourself? But here's one thing all of us know, unless it's connected, it's not coming on. You can flip that light all you want, but unless it's connected, unless there's a connection to the power source, it's not coming on. And how many of you know we're the light of the world? And so we're never the light of the world unless we're really connected. And a lot of people, because they go to church or because they've done some religious duty, they think they're on their way to heaven. There's only way, one way to heaven and being reconnected with the Father. Uh, and that's through faith and the finished work of Christ. You can't be good enough to get to God. And once you get connected by faith, then you've got to be in, in reality connected to the family of the Father, not just the Father of the family. It's not either or, it's both and. Are you with me? Say amen. Now here's the quote I wanted to give you from Rick Warren. The person who says, I don't need the church is either arrogant or ignorant. The person who says, I don't need the church is either arrogant or ignorant. And that's what got me in trouble on Facebook with one guy who, by the way, I'm not judging I just let Rick Warren's commentary or, or, or quote. I mean, I mean, and then Josh, he stood up for me and everybody. I started to take it down because the last thing I want to be is controversial. But I'm telling you, I'll stand on this any day of the week. I'll stand on it any day of the week. You want to get my feathers ruffled, you start undermining the value of the local church. And this old boy's mind, he might pull out his can of, well, I don't want to go that deep. But I'll stand up for the family of faith any day of the week. And you start telling me the church is not important uh, to God and I'll get jalapeno business. Because understand something, when Jesus, before he left planet earth, what did he do? He said, we need, you need to make sure you don't go anywhere till the church is born. Amen. Whoo. I love that. So it's the requirement of connection. We've got to connect. Here's another one. Uh, Once we connect, it's the responsibility and the requirement and membership uh, of caring. Not only connecting, but caring. Real genuine care. True caring for others. You know, there are people, I mean, if you've got people in your life, it's hard to care about. Don't, yeah. (laughs) Somebody went, yep. 
How many of you know God has some people in his life that if he wasn't God, it'd be hard to care about? But true caring, I want to talk to you about it. Just give you, so there's so much here we can say. But uh, you've got to care. If you're going to love God and his church, you've got to care about people. You've heard this statement. It doesn't quite fit, but people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. In other words, if you're going to make an influence in people's life, they've got to know you care about them. And true caring, and there's a lot here. I'm just going to give you some just uh, kind of jump start. Uh, true caring is real loving people. You've got to love people. In fact, there's so much, again, I love what 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17 says. He just says, love the brotherhood. Everyone say, love the brotherhood. You would think you're not... You would think you don't have to say this, but after being alive for a while, I realized, hey, we as God's people, people who've been born again by the blood of Jesus, it's not the easiest thing in the world to love people, right? Am I right? Because people, you know, in fact, one preacher friend of mine, he said, man, this pastoring thing, it would be awesome if it wasn't for all these people. And I tell people all the time, if you don't want to be offended, don't, don't join a, a thriving local church. If you don't want to be offended, well, there's no way not to be offended because if you get on an island somewhere, you'll offend yourself. It's kind of like the story of the guy who, who was, uh, uh, he, he got shipwrecked on a desert island and he was a believer and so he'd been there for like 20 years and finally here came his salvation. Someone stumbled upon him and, and, and they're rescuing him. He's so excited and they're just looking and there was these three buildings and, and the guy who rescued him said, what are these three buildings? Well, he pointed the first one. He said, well, that's my church. That's where I used to go to church. He said, you used to go to church? He said, yeah, but I got offended and so I started that one. And, uh, and what's that one? That's the second church. I, I'm on my third church now. Uh, in other words, he offended himself. How many of you know, uh, hey, uh, true caring is loving people. Love the brotherhood. And catch this. If you learn, as our first purpose, to love God, that's where you learn to love people. Because God loves everybody. Everybody say, God loves everybody. And so we've got to learn to love people. It's the fact it's the cornerstone of the kingdom. You need to understand that, that the kingdom of God and the family of faith is based upon the love of God. In fact, Jesus said it this way in Matthew 22. You can turn there in a little bit or mark it down. It's the two greats. It's the great, it's the, it's the great, uh, commandments. And that, the, the great commandment is love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then number two is love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, in these two things, all the, the words and the word of God are established and built upon. This is the cornerstone of the kingdom. If you don't love God, I, uh, pardon me, if you don't love the family of faith, I'm, I, I really seriously would question your love for God. Because if you don't love his family and his people, how on earth can you love him? Because if you say you've got the love of God in you, what did John say? First John, if you say you love God and hate your brother, you're a liar. And the truth is not in you. Boom, shakalaka. So we've got to love people, care for people. And if we love people, we'll begin to target those people with the love of Jesus. In fact, when we do, that, man, how many of you know everybody's looking for love? We've got to love people. Sadly, sadly the priority 
of loving God and others tends to be pushed to the bottom of the priority pile. Because we're so, everybody say, we're just so busy. Everybody say, I'm just so busy. Ooh, let me just read. I'll, let's let Rick Warren do the work for us. Let me, let me read you something. Let me find the page here. Uh, page 127, if you happen to have it. Let me just read it. 127. This is what we tend to do in our lives when it comes to loving God and loving others. Uh, we, the priority begins to get watered down in our life, and he talks about busyness. Busyness is the great enemy of relationships. We become preoccupied with making a living, doing our work, paying bills, and accomplishing goals as if these tasks are the point of life. They are not. Everyone say, they are not. The point of life is learning to love. Learning to love God and people. Life minus love equals zero. I love that. Somebody say, thank you, Rick Warren. Busyness is the great enemy of relationships. We become preoccupied with making a living, doing our work, paying bills and accomplishing goals as if these tasks are the point of life. They are not. The point of life is learning to love God and people. Life minus love equals zero. I'm telling you, one thing we need to catch is that thought right there. And true, hey, this is a requirement for the family of faith. We try to, we try to chisel out a little time. You, you ever had, you, as a, as a married couple, have you ever got so busy you have to look at each other and say, man, we're going to have to chisel out a little time. We're going to have to have a date night. You, am I with you? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Because what you realize, oh, OMG, all of a sudden, we're so busy, things are, the priorities of life are going, you know, mishandled. And so we understand that from a natural perspective. Uh, and, uh, you know, Beverly and I had date weekend. We just date, I mean, we, we, uh, we just had a great time together and, and, uh, until driving home and both of us wanted the other one to drive. Date weekend went real south as we were driving home. <laughs> Uh, but we made it, uh, and, and, and we understand the need for that. But listen, you can't just chisel, try to chisel out a little. Here's the problem. We're all trying to chisel out a little time for God. Oh, gosh, I need to go to church. Oh, dang, I missed. Oh, I said, dang. Oh, oh I'm just so busy. Ooh. And let me just ask, whose fault is that? It's called Priorities. And here, you want to know the reality? You know the sad statistics I've given to you before. People who consider them active, faithful members of the family of faith in America, did you know how much they're actually coming to church on Sunday? Less than 50% of the time. What are they doing? Trying to chisel out a little time in their work week. Now, that's by and large. Some of the, How many of you know there's some, what makes an average is some high, some low, some right in the middle? Uh, and so what it's a reflection of is that uh, as members of the family of faith, something has dumbed down and watered down what we think is the responsibility we have on planet Earth. And it's not about work and busyness and money and stuff. All those things are a part of our life. But the real uh, the real Hey, what did it say? Life minus love is a big fat zero. If we haven't fallen in love with Jesus and fallen in love with his family, we are all 
flawed and messed up. We've got to learn to love God and realize that we've got to love His family too. Amen. Caring, it's reflected in our loving. It's also reflected in how we help other people in our helping. In fact, Galatians 6.10 basically says this, Therefore, as you have opportunity, do good to all, especially those of the household of faith. Paul makes a, a, a distinction. In other words, hey, uh, as, as often as you have opportunity, let me tell you something, we have a lot of opportunity to help people. I'm not just talking about, you know, here's a buck or here's 20. Uh, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about really being a help to people, being there for them. He said, as often as you have opportunity, do good to all, especially those who are the household of faith. Now, why? that sounds like he's, he's showing favorites. Hey, listen, did you know the world sees Jesus? Here's what Jesus said in John 13. I believe it's John 13, uh, that the evidence to the world that Jesus is real is how the church loves and takes care of one another. Are you with me? And so Paul said, hey, true, true caring is helping. As often as you have opportunity, do good to all, especially those of the household of faith. You see, a membership requirement is not just to come and sit soaking sour or come and get all you can and can the rest. It's, it's, it's genuine connection and connecting with God and his family and caring for other people, loving them and helping them. And here's some more caring words. You want to see some more Bible caring words? Here they are. Serving, supporting, encouraging, exhorting, praying, giving, on and on and on it goes. This is who we are. We were formed for God's family. <coughs> and we belong in God's household with every other Christian. You see, the responsibility of connecting is also the responsibility and the requirement of caring. And then number three, and this all kind of goes hand in hand, it's, it's the membership requirement of committing. Becoming totally committed. You see, husbands and wives, when they say, I do, they were saying, I'm committed. Sadly, that 50% thing that I told you about works in, in, the, in, the, in America today, not only in the world, but in the church, that somewhere around 50%, by and large, of believers, not just uh, people, get divorced because they don't understand what true commitment is. How many of you know commitment is not words, but it's action? It's words and actions. And, and, and God's looking to us as members to be committed to the father of the family. How many of you know the, blah, blah, blah. how many of you know the father of the family is a covenant God? Everyone say the word covenant. Covenant is, is a commitment of the, of the, of the gospel kind. It's a commitment of, of the God kind, where you say, I'm, I'm making a covenant. God made covenants with his people. And he was always, and he was always asking his people to make covenant with him. And somehow we've watered this down and we've dumbed it down to where we say, God is committed to me. And he is. But somehow I can slide through life without really being committed. To him. So a requirement is being 
commitment. It's commitment to the father of the family. I'm committed. I'm all in. This is who I am. I'm a child of God. I've been adopted into the family. I'm committed to God. How many of you know Jesus reflects that ultimate commitment? When he, when he was just hours away from paying the great price and the, and the, the, you know, the pinnacle of his responsibility on planet earth was about to be realized in, in his death, burial, and resurrection. Three times he asked the father, if it is possible, could you please let this cup pass from me? Uh, and three times he asked and three times it came to him that this is not possible for him, this cup to pass for him. He said, never. Nevertheless, somebody say, nevertheless, this is the defining point of your commitment. When everything within you says, go this way and God says, go that way. And you refuse to go that way. And you say, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. God, that's a requirement of the family of faith to be committed to the father of the family and then be committed to the family of the father. You've got to be committed to both. It's not either or, or it's both and. And in my understanding, true commitment to the father of the family is found in, in a tangible sense in our commitment to the family of the father. In fact, I love what Hebrews 13 says, uh, or Hebrews 10, pardon me. There's a lot there, but I'll just give you the, the crux. He says, uh, he said, forsake not the assembling together. He's talking about the local church. As the manner of some ends. How many of you know Paul or, or the writer of Hebrews? I, hate, I tend to think it's Paul, but we don't know. He said, forsake not the assembling together as the manner of some is. And then he, then he hits it with this little add-on. So much more. In other, words, our com- In other words, our commitment to the father of the family and the family of the father as each day goes by should grow stronger rather than weaker. He said, forsake not the assembling of together, together as the manner of some is so much more as you see that day approaching. As we draw closer and closer to the return of Jesus Christ and we are close. We're closer than we've ever been before. Did you know you're living in the generation, you're closer to the return of Jesus Christ than anybody's ever been before? Hey, here we are. So much more as you see that day approaching. In other words, we're going to need each other more and more as each day goes by. And our covenant commitment to the father and the family and the family of the father must get stronger day by day. And that, my friend, is the Bible. That's not some preacher trying to stir up some more numbers. That's the Word of God raising the bar of what it means not just to be a believer, but a belonger. It's commitment, it's caring, it's connecting. Connecting to God, connecting to the family of God, caring about the family of faith and committing to the father of the family and the family of the father. This is my family. How many of you love your family? Say amen. And if there's anybody, I, hey, I, let me just say, I know you love your family. 
I love my family. I'm the only person that knows how much he loves his family. And, and in fact, my, some of my kids are here and some of my grandkids are here. Stacy and Brent, they got some sickly kids and so they can't be here. And, you know, I was with my son, uh, Beverly and I, and uh, I love my family. Woo! And I know my family loves me. But you know what is even more important than my temporal connection with my born and family? It's my eternal family, the family of faith. Because they're the ones that I'm going to be with forever. And you say, well, your kids will be there. But, and, and, and don't tell me, Pastor, that I won't know my family in heaven. Oh, yes, you will. But how many of you know, I'm, I don't want to try to go there. I, I don't you, there's not going to be no sorrow, tears, or all of that stuff. It's just going to be one huge, big family of faith. We've got to be committed to the family of the Father. And then finally, committed to the great commission or the father's commission for the family. You see, the family's not here just to take up space and get all you can and can the rest and enjoy each other and fellowship. See, fellowship is for the purpose of the expansion of the kingdom of God. Because Jesus' last words on planet earth called the great commission, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. In other words, keep the family growing. Years and years ago, when we were considering the, this sanctuary and, and expanding, and the purpose of the expansion was to give room for the family of faith because we were out of room back there. I had people who had a different understanding of the Bible, and they said, well, preacher, what's wrong with just a little few folks? In other words, why do we need to grow? Well, I said this. Well, you know, if you're growing as a Christian, growing people grow people. And one of the evidences of, a, of people not growing is, is they're not reproducing. And so we've got to make a fresh commitment, not only to the father of the family and the family of the father, but we've got to make a fresh commission, commitment to the father's commission for the family. And we're not here just to sit soak and sour. We're here to make a big difference. We're here to put people in the crosshairs of the love of God in our lives. That's why we're here. Go into all the world and make disciples. Reproduce yourself and build the kingdom of God together. That's our purpose We'll talk more about that. In fact, I don't know what time it is. I'm just enjoying myself, but we're going to finish up here. Everyone say January. He said, Pastor, don't get me past the holidays already, but let me tell you something. January, our focus is, is telling our story of his story. Telling our story. Becoming a storyteller. To share our story with those who need to know about his story. 
And so in January, we're going to begin to target people. And let me just tell you one thing we're going to do. You want to know one thing we're going to do? We're going to target people personally. We're going to target people in your neighborhood. Did you know you're going to have the opportunity? to? You you ever seen those little yard signs that just stick down in the grass? We're going to have one about our church. We're going to print you up some door knockers, and we're going to give you the opportunity to put that sign in your yard uh, at a certain time when we start targeting and put the little hangers on the doors around and just say, hey, welcome to the family. We'd love to have you to be a part of our family. And so we're going to do things like that uh, because, uh, hey, people matter to God. Are you with me? Say amen. Let's stand together. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you for you for the family that you've provided us today. We pray today that we, uh, this week, especially as we go through the third week of our devotional time, understanding and unlocking and downloading the Word of God that shares with us we're formed for God's family, that we belong in God's household with every other Christian. We pray today that our connection to God and His family would begin to strengthen and stabilize. We pray, Lord God, that you would help us connect in a whole new way. Lord, we thank you for that and we trust you, Lord Jesus, that as we connect, Lord God, then we'd begin to commune and fellowship and grow together and go together, give together. We thank you for all those things. And we embrace our commitment to you and to your family today. Now today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, before we leave this morning, I just want to ask you, have you really connected with God through faith? If you're here today and you can say, Pastor, I'm just not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven. I want to pray for you this morning. I want, I want to give you an opportunity to put your trust, your future's trust into the hands of the one who paid a great price so you could come back in right relationship with God. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I just want to know for sure that I am connected to the father of this family you talk of that I'm on my way to heaven today. If that's you, wherever you are, while every head bowed and every eye closed, just lift your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. I want to know for sure that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. Anybody else, you can put your hands down. We're going to pray a prayer together. And even if you didn't lift your hand today, but something in you has a question mark, you can erase that question mark forevermore. Listen, you don't have to get saved every day. Once you get born again, you're in the family. And so let's pray this prayer together in behalf of those who may be here who need to be born again and be a part and come in contact with their heavenly Father. Everyone pray with me out loud together. Say, thank you, Jesus, that you died for me on a cross, that you paid for my sin with the shedding of your blood. And according to your word today, because of the shedding of blood, My sins can be washed white as snow. I thank you for dying for me on that cross. 
for paying for my sin and rising again from the dead so that I could have new life. I believe you did that for me. I put my trust in you. And I invite you into my heart and life to be the Lord and the leader of my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Let's give the Lord some praise this morning and clap our hands and thank him for new life. Amen.